He's supposed to be teaching me how to ride a horse someday, but um, you'll know because I'll, I'll be walking in a cast or a full-body cast or in a wheelchair by the time I, I come up here, so uh, that'll be all good. I'd like to take the time to, to pray right now before we start the message, and um, we know that we've, boy, that's dominated the news this week has been the situation in Haiti, and um, boy, the, just the devastation has just been incredible. And I'd really like to just take some time to pray uh, for for Haiti uh, this morning and for the uh, relief help and everything else that's going on over there. Um, and just really take some time to pray for them. I'd also like to pray for, uh, find out uh, Mike Gilbert's uh, father is in the hospital right now and really struggling. Uh, he texted me this morning. I'd really like to pray, pray for Mike Gilbert's dad as well. Um, so... We want to lift him up in prayer. And uh, what, what is Mike's father's name? Peter? Okay. We're going to pray for Peter this morning. Okay, so if you would um, bow your heads with me and close your eyes, and, and let's, let's go before the Lord. Father God, uh, we thank you for this, this wonderful Sunday that you've given us to worship you, Lord. Uh, we worship you every day, Lord, but uh, just be able to come back together as the body of Christ and pray, Father, that we would... Um, use this time and not waste it. Um, and I, I know you are, your presence is already here, Lord. We can sense you and we praise you, Father, for that. And we know that um, you're a sovereign God and that, um, and that uh, you know about all these situations, Lord. We pray um, right now uh, specifically for Mike Gilbert's uh, um, father, um, um, Peter, and we pray for him, Lord, that uh, um, in his current situation that he is in right now at the hospital father we pray for your um your healing upon his life father you are the god that can heal lord and we pray for your complete healing upon peter's body we pray that he'd be able to recover from this and to be um uh, to be healthy once again lord uh, we pray for mike as he's out there right now lord that you would give him peace over this situation and to know that uh, you are in control and that you have uh, uh, his father in, in your hands, Lord. So I pray, Father, that, uh, that you would really intervene in this situation and pray for, um, we just pray, Lord, by faith, knowing that you can heal uh, Mike's dad, and we pray for that right now, Lord. And we also pray uh, for the, the, the tragedy that has been um, going on in a place uh, far, far away from us, Lord, in the in, in Haiti, and we just pray, Father, that um, uh, we know that thousands upon thousands of people have perished, um, and I just pray, Father God, for for those families that are being affected by this this uh, this tragedy, Father, and 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 I just pray, Father, that you would just help them to have some sense of peace and security during this time. Um, we can't even imagine what it would be like to go through something like that. Uh, Father, I just pray that they would get the help that they need and that they would get it quickly. We know that the United States and other other um, uh, other uh, nations are, are, are jumping in and helping support and, and send um, aid to these people at this time. I pray, Father, that um, the process would go smoother and that they would be able to get the, the help that they need immediately, Lord. I pray for the people that are tense and on edge there right now that um, are waiting for the help to arrive, Lord, that you would just help um, calm their spirits down, Lord, that, that um, 
that they may know that help is on the way and that, um, and that it is coming, Lord. But most of all, may these people, Lord, turn to you and know that um, even amidst this, this mess that they are in right now, Lord, that they can still find their hope in you. And I pray, Father, that, um, that more and more people would turn to you during this time than ever. And uh, we thank you, Father, for what you're doing um, um, uh, right now, Lord, in Haiti um, from what has happened um, in, this, in this tragedy. So we just pray for the families and the, and the people involved, Lord, um, that you would give them peace and wisdom in these days to come. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And be with us today, Lord. May our hearts and our minds be open. May we be able to receive this message and not only hear the word of God by faith, but also to put it into action. We love you, Jesus. In your precious name, we pray. Amen. If you would, go ahead and turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter two. Y'all ready for this? All right. No, I mean, are you, like you are you ready for this? Okay. All right. First Peter chapter two verses four through five. As you come to him, the living stone, that is Jesus. Rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. What's great about these two verses is that we are compared to living stones being built into a spiritual house. We are living. We are the church being built for a purpose. You have a purpose. I have a purpose. We are alive. What's sad about these two verses is that some have rejected Christ. And rejection means to examine and reject because of lack of value. What we place value on in our lives makes a difference. It makes a huge difference. Um, for example, um, this past week, my two-month-old son, Ethan, had to get his shots for the first time. If you've ever gone through that with your child, <laughs> it's the most horrible thing in the world. These long needles being shot right into their, their quads, you know, it's like, oh, no, and they're screaming and everything else. But um, sometimes, you know, even though it's hard to see, that pain is necessary, isn't it? Um, and, and it's necessary because... I value the doctors, I value the medicine, I believe that's part of God's healing, and, and, and part, of that, um, part of that healing process there, but it's, it's kind of funny, because the doctor came in uh, before they were about to um, inject Ethan with this medicine, and, and he was like, okay, do you have any questions about these three different shots? And to be honest, I didn't even know what he was getting a shot for, <laughs> usually Candace knows that stuff, I'm but I, I, I was the one to take Ethan that day. So I was like, mm, you know, he was like, so here's the three shots. And he la- names these three long names, one, names I can't even pronounce. And I just look at him and say, sounds good. <laughs> and so, but, but the reason is, you know, I placed value on, on, the, on the doctor. I trusted that the medicine was going to help 
keep Ethan um, healthy and safe. And just like the medicine is applied to, uh, to a baby, uh, we want to live healthy lives physically and spiritually as well. But how do we know if we are spiritually alive and healthy? How do we gauge being on fire for God? Right? We use that term a lot. Being on fire for God. How do we gauge that? Okay. Well, um, I wonder if it's, if it's anything like Brother Franklin uh, during the service. Do you, do you guys know what bro, who Brother Franklin is? Of course you don't. Brother Franklin, this, this is actually in a, in a worship service. I'm going to show you this clip here in a second. It's actually in a worship service. He's, this is his worship during, this is just during offering time. All right? This is just during offering time. Check this out. Hey, that was just during offering time. We, we need to get a little more excited about offering time, don't we? Because that's an act of worship, isn't it? It's an act of worship. And uh, the reason I show this is because, you know, hey, that guy was worshiping. I mean, there's no doubt about it. That guy was truly worshiping. And that was awesome. Um, but uh, is that the answer? Do we, do we just all need to just kind of get a little bit more emotional? Do we, do we need to do a little bit of a dance? Do we... Need to raise two hands instead of one during worship. I mean, how do we gauge being on fire for God? How do we know that we are spiritually alive in Christ? Well, let's start with this thought here. To become spiritually alive in Christ, one must become completely satisfied in Christ. To become spiritually alive in Christ, one must be completely satisfied in Christ. Are you completely satisfied in Christ. Listen to these verses. Psalm 23, 1, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. Philippians 1, 21, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Psalm 84, 10, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. What about Psalm 17, 15? And I, in righteousness, I will see your face. When I awake, I will be satisfied with seeing your likeness. Are you satisfied in Christ? Another way of evaluating our spiritual health would include looking at today's life shape. All right, we've already talked about um, um, five other life shapes. We're on our sixth life shape here. Our, we've already talked about, I'm sorry, uh, yeah, our, our five life shapes. This is our sixth life shape, and then next week will be our seventh and final one, but this one today is the heptagon, the heptagon, practicing the principles of a vital life. And on this seven-sided shape 
we're going to look at what's included in the life of someone who is alive in Christ. You remember what you learned in school around the middle school age era? Do you remember that? Can you think back that far? Or for some of you, you may be already there, or you may just a couple of years off. What did you learn in middle school besides the drama of relationships? <laughs> There's something else you learned there, and it came from biology class. Um, you had to learn the seven basic signs of a biological organism and how it is alive. It's the seven characteristics of life. And you remember there was an acronym that your teacher gave, gave you. Some of them are different, but, but uh, do you remember that acronym that you can remember by? Mrs. Grin. Does anyone know Mrs. Grin? Oh, wow. <laughs> guys, this is not looking good here. You went to school, right? I, I take it you guys went to school. Maybe they didn't have Mrs. Maybe that was an Indiana thing. Maybe Mrs. Green is back in Indiana. Boy, this totally did not go the way I was expecting it. Anyway, Mrs. Grin, uh, well, let me name each thing uh, here that, that we know that is a sign of life or an organism, okay? And maybe it'll come back to you, hopefully. You got movement, all right, respiration, sensitivity, growth, reproduction, excretion, and you're like, how in the world is that going to, uh, I'll get to that, don't worry, <laughs> and nutrition, all right, Mrs. Grin, did, did anybody, did it come back to anybody, still no, no, okay, all right, great, well, let's start with it anyway, huh? how about it, but it will help you anyway, this acronym, Mrs. Grin, to remember the uh, heptagon, okay, practicing the principles of a vital life, uh, this is going to be like an evaluation tool for yourself and as a church, how we're doing, okay? And so let's look at this first one here, and that is movement, all right? Movement. How well are we moving for the kingdom of God? Back in Exodus chapter 14, remember that uh, the Israelites were being, uh, were, were, were leaving, um, uh, by lead, being led by Moses to, to get out of the situation that they were in and uh, leaving the oppressed life from the Egyptians. And so they're fleeing from them, and, and they're going um, to, to wherever God is calling them to go. And as they're going there, remember that they end up right at the edge of the Red Sea there. And as they're there, um, Moses says these words in verse 13 in Exodus chapter 14. And Moses answered the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians will, you see today will never, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. And that's an awesome couple of verses right there, right? But here's God's response. I love this. The next verse, God responds. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to what? Move on. Move. All right? Don't stand there all day. There's a t you got to move. And he's like, I want you to raise your staff. I want, the, the sea's going to be parted. You're going to walk through it. Then, then when they come through, I'm going to collapse it on Move, right? There is movement um, in the life of someone that is spiritually alive. Um, how well are you moving for the kingdom of God? Remember even Jesus uh, said to the disciples um, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, but you will receive power from the Holy, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all right? But not only there, and in all, in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. There is movement. There is something happening. All right? It's almost like when I uh, go to the gym and I get on the treadmill. 
and I know that if, if I'm on the treadmill and, and it has the certain um, things that you can show how, how, how fast you're going, if I put on there I'm going 2.2 miles per hour, that's not, very, that's not moving for me, right? I mean, I'm not going to achieve what I want to achieve physically, um, uh, what I'm hoping to, to, to become or whatever um, physically, by just going 2.2 miles per hour. So if I go anywhere between 8.5 and 10, then I'm really booking. Then I'm really moving. I remember stepping off of a treadmill once, and the person next to me is like, wow, like, how'd you do that? I'm like, well, I just pushed that button, and uh, my legs just kind of went, you know, I was just like, <laughs> y'all not, you're not moving very fast. Maybe, maybe you just need to punch it up a little bit more, you know, challenge yourself. Uh, move, 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 move. Um, uh, part of this movement is you are coming right now. It's, that's part of the movement. You're here right now. You're listening to a message. You're worshiping uh, uh, Christ through, the, through song and, and things like that. And we're going to worship through offering time and, and through relationships and things like that. And, but also, what happens when you leave this place? Are you still moving, you know? Or are you just kind of punching that treadmill like, eh, I don't know. Today's kind of, let me just go a little bit slower. There's, there's a time for movement, and so movement is a, is, a, is a sign, a vital sign that you are alive in Christ. Um, the next one is respiration, all right? Genesis 2, 7, I love this verse. The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Breathing comes natural to us, doesn't it? I want you to just think for a second. Just think about your next breath. Oh, it's kind of weird, isn't it? It's like, wow, you know, um, to actually think about I'm breathing my next breath. Uh, some people actually have to do that, and if you do, believe me, you may be in trouble right now. Uh, but, but, na- but normally it comes naturally to us. We don't think about it. I mean, you don't sit around thinking all day, wow, I, I should remember to breathe at, you know, 2 o'clock or whatever. I mean, it comes naturally to us, and, and the same thing should be with our relationship with Christ. Uh, to inhale the presence of God, to breathe our relationship with Christ. Without breathing the presence of God, we slowly start to die. We have to think about breathing. You know, that could be even tougher on our lives. I once uh, knew a man who was hooked up to an oxygen, cha- uh, oxygen tank, and he would actually smoke uh, while he was hooked up to an oxygen tank. And and I just was like, why are you doing that? You know, you, you have an oxygen shake here for a reason because of your smoking, but now you're on it, you're still smoking. And what he wanted was the best of both worlds, didn't he? He wanted to, to breathe and be, and be alive, but he also wanted to indulge into his, his um, harmful addiction. But guess what? One of them is going to get the best of them. Which one do you think it's going to be? Yeah, so, I mean, it, it's, it's one of those things that as we continue to breathe the goodness of God, we can start to live out what Galatians 5.5 says. It says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. You don't think too often about your stepping as well, your walk and everything else. Well, maybe you do. I don't know. But, uh, but normally it comes naturally to you as well. Breathing comes naturally to you. Respiration, um, that you're, you're breathing in, um, or you're inhaling the presence of God. You're, you're breathing um, Christ's presence in your life. The next one is sensitivity, all right? Living organisms respond to stimuli. Um, are we being sensitive enough to respond when the Holy Spirit is leading us? And Paul describes what happens when a, certain, when a certain group of people 
uh, we're not responding. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 19, it said, Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to a sensuality as to an indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. When your heart becomes hard and you are not sensitive to the Holy Spirit, that can be very dangerous because what happens is we start to operate out of the flesh instead of out of the Spirit. Uh, there have been many times in my life, and you probably testify this as well in your life, where you have said something or done something where you're like, why in the world did I just do that? It's because we were operating out of the flesh instead of out of the Spirit. And so we need to become aware of that. We need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading so that we will not um, do something um, harmful to others, sinful, whatever it may be, okay? Um, uh, it begs the question, you know, what should we become sensitive to as Christians? Um, hearing each other out, um, seeing the needs of others, feeling compassion for people. I mean, those are things that, that, that we should do. I, I know that, um, I may have mentioned this a while back, um, but when I was uh, back in Indiana at the, the, the previous church I was, I was pastoring, um, just to find out what the people thought about church and, and uh, God's people, I went to the local bar down the street. That was down the street from our, our church. I didn't drink, don't worry. I just went down there, and um, I sat up uh, at the bar stool and talked to these guys, and some of them were half-wasted already, but I was talking to them anyway. And the perception of the church was not very good. And I remember this one guy just, just really spoke to me that said, you know what, all I see is churches building bigger buildings but not meeting the needs in the community. And that really stuck with me. And it made me angry because I'm like, that's not what I want, you know, um, the perception of church to be today. And we are God's people. We need to be uh, sensitive to the Holy Spirit and the needs in our community and, and how we're going to meet those needs. And so be sensitive. Be sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading. Uh, that's a sign that, that uh, you're spiritually alive. Another one is growth. All right, growth. As you think back on 2009, the year of 2009, in what areas of your life did you grow? As you think about that, and maybe you didn't thought about that, but maybe it would be a good time to think about what areas in your life did you see that you had growth, or did you not have growth at all in 2009? Um, because we know that, um, well, let's read 1 Corinthians 3 here. It says in verses 6 through 9, I planted the seed, Apollos, water, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor the water, nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose, and each will be rewarded according to his own labor. For we know we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. All right, and we talked about God's building uh, just uh, in the start in First Peter chapter 2, too. Um, now, we should know that uh, we can't grow on our own. All right, we just saw that God is the one that makes us grow. But we can create environments where growth is possible. All right? Um, we know that if, if you are around a certain group of friends who is putting into practice your greatest temptation and you're around them all the time, you're setting yourself up to fail. But if you create an environment where it's possible to grow and then that's the best thing for you in your life right now. Uh, think about what you can do. Think about even the radio stations you listen to on the way home. You know, is it something that's going to uh, um, 
really help you grow in your relationship with Christ, or is it going to be something that's going to be damaging? Now, we know that um, uh, we, we don't just um, grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. I mean, there's a time, as we talked about with the, uh, the semicircle, that there's a time of abiding, there's a time of growing, there's a time of, of this and that. But, but there, is, um, there should be evidence of growth in your life as a Christian. And so we want to create those environments where growth is possible as God grows you, okay? Um, the next one is reproduction, all right? And boy, do we do a good job of that here at this church, all right? <laughs> um, I don't think, I don't know if anybody's pregnant um, anymore. Boy, we had like, it was like a stretch where we had like five, six people that are pregnant all at one time. Anyway, but that's not what I'm talking about here. I don't know why I said that. That really wasn't Holy Spirit-led. Anyway, I'll go back to sensitivity, be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Okay, um, reproduction. Um, I've heard that it was said today's church is giving birth to uh, today's church is giving birth to the church of tomorrow, and that is so true. Um, are we investing in the next generation? Are we investing in people like Jeremy? Um, um, think about this. Psalm seventy-one, eighteen. I love this verse. Listen to this. I don't know if you've ever heard this before. Or read it. It says, "Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, O God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your might to all who are to come." Are we investing in the next generation as a church and individually in our lives? Are we doing that? Because it's going to be critically important because as we do this, we want to multiply um, um, ourselves as, as, as Christ followers. We want to create disciples. As Paul said, follow me as I follow the example of Christ. I mean, we want to um, continue to um, um, create more disciples. That's what Christ calls us to do. Um, more Christians in this world that are living out faith, not just coming to know Christ at the altar, but more than that, also um, 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 living out then Christ's life so we'll be a light in this world, be salt in this world once again, and that uh, we, can, we can make more of an impact um, uh, for the kingdom of God. Now, let's get to the one that you're all wondering about. Okay? No, no, no. Uh, let's get to excretion here. All right? You're like, oh, that's disgusting. Okay. Now, our bodies uh, physically and spiritually uh, build up junk throughout the day, all right? And that is true. We need to empty our hearts of unhealthy sin uh, through repentance because we're not designed to carry the toxins in our body, are we? And we're not to designed to carry them physically. And we're not designed to carry them spiritually as well. So we must get rid of them as the Bible so clearly says. Hebrews twelve fifteen lets us know that See that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Um, Ephesians 4.31, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. James 1.21, therefore get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. 1 Peter 2.1, therefore rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Get rid of it. Kill it. Get it out of your life. All right? Get rid of that stuff that is causing you to be harmed um, as, a, as a believer in Christ, things that are deterring you away from God instead of toward God in your life. And then the last one is nutrition, because all living things must take in nutrients or they will die, Okay? But where do we go for our nutrients? Um, John 6.35, Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. How awesome is that? That is that complete satisfaction that we were talking about before, 
We get that in the Word of God, don't we? We get this by opening up the Word and reading it every day. This is your food. Oh, it's your food. Spending time with the Lord is your nutrition. You need it. You need it because without it, you slowly start to die. And you know what happens to you when you're not in the Word or where you're not on your knees in prayer or where you're not spending time um, um, uh, um, living out obedience to God's Word and things like that. You know, there's, there's things what I like to call power food versus dead food. I think uh, <laughs> even when I eat, which is very convicting, but even when I eat a meal, I always know in front of me the food I'm about to place in my mouth is either power food, it's going to energize me, it's going to help me feel better two hours later, or I'm eating dead food. And dead food is like, you know what I'm talking about, after eating about eight slices of pizza and then a, a bowl of ice cream while watching The Biggest Loser. <laughs> Not that I've done that. Okay, I have done that. Um, you feel like a blob. You feel like, whoa, you know, like, I can't believe. Do you always think that after you eat something, you're like, I can't believe I just ate that? Like, I feel horrible right now. The cheese dip, I just kept, let it, I just kept coming. And, you know, it's, and it's power food versus dead food. And the thing is with us as well as Christians, either we're investing our time in, in, into God and into his word and really getting power food, getting the nutrition we need, or we're spending our time listening and, and, and obeying talk shows, okay? Um, or, or, we're, or we're reading the latest gossip in the magazine, and we're allowing that. You know what that's doing? That's creating um, dead food right there. That's creating nutrition that you do not need, that's not nutritious in your life. It's, a, it's not a good diet for you. Let's just put it that way. So we want to do things. We want to be, um, we want to have powerful, we want to have nutritious um, lives that have the diet of, of, of being involved in, um, in Christ and his word every day. He is the bread of life, and he, um, we will never go hungry, we will never be thirsty. Okay, so those right there are the seven signs of someone that is um, um, spiritually alive, someone that is, is, is growing on fire for God. Um, so take this shape, the heptagon, and allow it to become like an evaluation tool for your life. Um, come back to it every month or so. Think about the heptagon, Mrs. Grin, okay? All right, I know you didn't learn that evidently in biology, but now you have, all right? I'm your biology teacher this morning. Mrs. Grin is it. Do we have any science teachers in here, by the way? Greg, oh, yeah, Greg, where is Greg at? Oh, he's back there, yeah. yeah did you remember Mrs. Grin? Oh, man. <laughs> well, he's teaching more at the, like, the master's level, I think, or something. Take that back to your students. They'll love it. Um, <laughs> Mrs. Grin, just, you know, hey, I stole it from someone else, so don't worry about that. Don't even give me props. But come back to it every month or so, all right? And, um, and, and allow yourself to move forward, become stronger, become more alive in Christ. Another way of doing it is, is getting your accountability partner, maybe every, every so often uh, going through Mrs. Grin together, all right? Can you say it with me? I, I know you got memorized all, already, right? Movement, respiration, sensitivity. Is it up there? <laughs> You guys are making me proud for a moment, all right? Would you shut that off for just a second here? Would you shut that off for, yeah, thank you. Now you got Mr. Balloon up there, okay? You don't, you, yeah, you don't, you guys are making me so proud. Let's try to get movement. <laughs> anyway, you guys. Respiration, sensitivity, growth, 
reproduction, excretion, nutrition. Very good. Give yourself a hand. That's false applause. Um, to close this message, uh, I wanted to share a letter with you. Uh, this is this is really this is kind of uh, a personal because my mom my mom works with uh, missionaries uh, um, through a denomination that they're all across the the uh, the continent and and they actually have some missionaries in Haiti right now. And one of the missionary kids, a 16 year old girl by the name of Jessica, um, uh, sent a letter to. Uh, my mom's organization there, and so my mom forwarded that email to me. I wanted to share it with you because of this girl's uh, response to the devastation and kind of describing what this is going, what's going on over there right now. Just I know you've heard a lot about Haiti this week, but this comes from a, a personal letter from from somebody that's you know affected by this. 16-year-old girl named Jessica says, it started off as mostly a normal day. I left school with my mom and we went to the store because my dad hadn't had the time to go that day. We took longer than usual shopping that day as we ran into a few friends and stopped to talk. We left the store and drove off and my mind was filled with words to a poem that I was mentally composing and couldn't wait to write them down when I got home. A minute later, the world collapsed. You're supposed to know when natural disaster will strike by watching the animals. Their senses are sharper than ours, and they're supposed to be the ones that warn us. But I wasn't watching the animals at 4.57 p.m. on January 12, 2010. I didn't see any dogs freaking out and, bark, er, and barking and running. At first, I thought there was something wrong with the car. Um, I felt that the tire had popped because we were swerving all over the road. A boy was running, and I thought he was curious how he had known to run before our tire had popped. Then I realized that all the cars were swerving and that we were still moving even though we were stopped and the street had turned into maddening waves of concrete. Buildings were shaking and people were screaming and dust filled the air. It seemed to last forever, a good 20 seconds. It stopped for a few seconds and started again and I remember crying out to God asking him to stop it. People were running up and down the road crying and screaming and calling people on cell phones. People were covered in dust from buildings. Parents were carrying children. Schoolgirls were crying. And boys were reading their Bible out loud. All I could do was sit and cry with my mom, praying as we watched the chaos around us, still feeling aftershocks. After a long ride, we made it home. I ran upstairs because all I wanted to do was hug my dad and our cook, Claudette. Then we began to hear reports from the news and people on the road about damage that had been done. The National Palace was destroyed, the United Nations headquarters, two hospitals, multiple schools, the main cathedral as well as the smaller one. The grocery store we had left just minutes before the quake. Houses, homes, lives, all gone. I prayed, I cried, and I prayed. All the cell phones stopped working. There was no way to communicate with anyone. And after hours, I decided to go to bed. There was nothing else I could do. I kept a bag beside me in bed. It contained money, bottles of water, peanut butter, and medicine, just in case. Throughout the night, I was awakened by shaking and the clinging of a, of a lock against the gate, and I and quickly run out of my room. Then I would go back to sleep, and the same thing would happen again. Towards 12.30 a.m., I stood with my mom and dad on our balcony, looking out into the dark night. I can hear them, I told my mom. You have to listen. Cries and prayers from thousands filled the night saturating the air with pain. Lying in bed again, I talked to my God. Jesus, 
Be with my friends and their families. Give them strength. Protect them and send your angels to surround them. I went back to sleep, but it was no more restful than being awake. I woke up nauseous and worried. We hadn't had phone service in over 12 hours, a time in which anything could have happened. The entire morning, I did not know what to do. I couldn't read a book, nor could I find it in me to write the paper for my English class. People were dying. My country was demolished. Anxiety gnawed at my stomach as I watched the news and paced around my house. My dad decided that we needed to go out and see what was going on. So we went to a point on the mountain where you could look over and look out over the entire city. It was heartbreaking to see the palace smashed, the cathedral caved in. The, the, the places I was so familiar with that gave me such a sense of my, of my country were all gone. One of the um, oddities we had noticed was that many people on the streets, there were more people out walking around than I had ever experienced in Haiti. People were walking with luggage or dead bodies. People were sitting at the, on the side of the street. People were crying. There were many fields and parks filled with um, people camped out, many from losing homes and many from fear of being inside their homes. Here I am. It is dark. I don't know what to do. I pray constantly because that's the only thing I can count on. I don't know to do anything, but I, d- I, don't, do, I don't want to do anything, but I don't want to do nothing. I'm afraid because of, short, of food shortages. I'm afraid to turn on the lights because of electrical and, and gas shortage, shortages. I'm afraid to go to sleep in case I have to get up and run. I'm afraid that the prison was affected and convicts are on the loose. I'm afraid because I don't know about so many. I'm afraid because I'll soon find out about them again. I'm afraid because I don't know when we'll go grocery shopping again. I'm afraid because I don't want to fall behind in school. I'm afraid because of all the places I used to go with my friends are damaged. I'm afraid because I constantly feel earthquakes from the way the car moves over bumps uh, to someone hitting the edge of the table to the breeze. I can't stop feeling the shaking, and I don't know if this is the type of thing that ever stops. I'm so afraid. And here's how she responds to all of this that she just described. And yet, in the midst of it all, I feel a sense of calm, a peace. Never before has God been so real to me. I feel him next to me. I feel him watching over me while I try to sleep. I thought I would blame him in catastrophe, but I don't blame him because I know. I know that there is so much more going on than just earthquakes and deaths, and that God is taking care of it all. even though the world is constantly changing around us, we too, like Jessica, can still be completely satisfied in Christ, still be growing in Christ, and be alive in Christ more than ever in our lives. That's what the Hepticon is all about. That's what Mrs. Grin is all about. Are you spiritually alive this morning? It's not to look at this and say, you know, condemn you for not having this in your place. I mean, there is no combination for those that are in Christ Jesus. It's rather an evaluation of saying, how are you right now? Take an honest look at your life in Christ. And maybe you haven't placed Christ first in your life. Maybe you've never given your life over to Jesus Christ. We want you to have that opportunity here today, okay? So as I close in prayer and as the worship band comes up to play, um, the altar is open before you. 
Maybe you just want to come because you're struggling right now with your relationship with Christ. Maybe you're struggling in other relationships. Maybe you've never accepted Christ in your life. Come down here. We will have people that will pray with you. Okay? This is serious stuff. This is your eternal destination. This is everything. Christ is and should be your everything. And so let's take that to heart this morning. Let me close in prayer at this time. If you would bow your heads with me. And if you feel like I've been speaking directly to you this morning, there's probably a reason for that. It's the Holy Spirit nudging your heart. And that's a good thing. We talked about the sensitivity and Mrs. Grin here in the heptagon. But how you respond to that is going to make all the difference in the world. Will you respond to the Holy Spirit's leading, his nudging, his guidance? Father, we are so grateful for the life that you've given us, Lord. Through all its hardships and good times, you have always been there with us, Lord. You said you never leave us or forsake us. You are with us. And many times, Father, we ignore you, place you on the back burner, put you in the back seat of the car. Instead of being first place in, your li- in our lives, uh, sometimes you become second, third, maybe even last. But we know, Father, that um, in order to be alive more than ever in our life, we must be completely satisfied in you. That we know that you are our everything. And that uh, one day, the most important thing that's ever going to ever have mattered is did we have a relationship with you? Did we become, did we live out your commands? Did we, were we obedient to you, Father? It's not that uh, we have to do good works to get into heaven. That's not at all. Lord, we know that's by, by faith and through grace that we are saved, Lord. By grace through faith, Lord. We, we love you. We want um, to be alive in you. We're sick of the status quo. We're sick of of being, um, of just getting by. We don't want to get by any longer, Lord. I pray for those that have not um, surrendered everything to you, Lord, that they would do so today during this time. That they would come forward and just say, you know, I need you, Jesus. Forgive me of my sins. I'm ready to live for you. I don't know what this looks like, but I'm ready just to trust in you as my Lord and Savior. Save me from the gates of hell and help me, Lord, to live the life that you have designed for me. I pray for, Lord, everyone in this congregation today that if they're sensing the Holy Spirit speak to them, that they would respond accordingly, that they would be obedient, that even though it may be tough, that they would still go through with what it is that you're calling them to do. You've given us life and life to the full. And we love you, Lord. We love you no matter what the circumstances in life bring our way. 
and we can't wait to be with you someday. We love you and praise you today, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.